This is the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess, and we're meeting Sadie in episode 62. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast. The tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hi, this is Kristen from naturalbirthandbabycare.com. Today we are going to meet Sadie and I'm going to share Sadie's birth story. I have gotten a lot of emails in the past few weeks since Sadie's birth saying that nobody even realized that I was pregnant um, because you hadn't heard me mention it on the podcast. And though I came close to slipping up a couple of times, I actually purposefully didn't share Sadie's pregnancy just because sometimes when you run a birth and baby site, you feel like you're in the spotlight. And I just really wanted to not be in the spotlight for this pregnancy and to enjoy myself. But if we have another baby down the road, um, maybe I'll announce it at least on the podcast because a lot of you sounded like you were slightly offended that I hadn't shared. And so, um, you know, I'm not too worried about it, but I apologize for if you felt like you were kept in the dark. Because that certainly wasn't my intention. It was just to be able to quietly enjoy myself. And if you were a student, I did share it with students. So you heard about it on the classes and all of the fun there. But I can talk about lessons from her pregnancy, perhaps at another time. So Sadie arrived on February the 1st. She was due on February the 2nd. She arrived a couple of hours before her due date. Uh, And... I am just getting around to her birth story because I actually recorded a bunch of podcasts before she was born, which is why you haven't heard about it except, I mean, you heard about it via email. If you're on the email list, if you're not, just go over to Trust Birth 101. That's TrustBirth101.com and you can get on the newsletter list. And I did announce her birth right after she was born there. But I had all the podcasts pre-recorded so that she and I could kind of take a little bit of time off. And this is the first podcast that I'm recording since she was born. So I'm sitting here with her bouncing on a birth ball because she's a little bit grumpy. I'm hoping she won't cry, but you might be able to hear her kind of snortling and and bubbling and gurgling because she's nursing and, and being a little bit cranky. So I'm hoping she's going to let me record the, record the podcast. And I'm sorry if I'm out of practice. It's probably been six weeks now, seven weeks now since I've recorded. So if you hear more ums and everything like that, then that's why. Though I have been teaching, so maybe I won't be too rusty for you. But with that, let's talk a little bit about about Sadie's pregnancy went really well with her. Uh, the only real quote-unquote problem that I had was I gained a little bit more weight than I wanted to, which has been the case with my last few pregnancies. And otherwise, I had some anxiety, but no problems. She was healthy, and I was healthy the entire time. This pregnancy with her was a lot of fun for me because I took the reins a little bit more with this pregnancy and was a little bit more proactive than I had been. We made some decisions. We decided not to find out if she was a boy or a girl. Uh, And since, sadly, that's the main reason why we've had ultrasounds in the past, we decided against having an ultrasound at all. I had a little bit of anxiety about that, uh, a little bit of anxiety about not knowing if I was expecting a boy or a girl. But otherwise, everything 
everything was fine in that regard. But with deciding to forego ultrasounds, we decided to forego a Doppler, except at the very first prenatal appointment when you couldn't hear with a fetoscope. But otherwise, we used a fetoscope throughout the entire pregnancy. And uh, because you can just buy a fetoscope, like I bought one from Amazon. I can put a link to the one that I bought. It was like 20 bucks. And so I I got my own fetoscope and started trying to listen for a oh, way too early to hear her, you know, probably 11 or 12 weeks when I ordered the thing. But I was pretty persistent and dedicated, and I did find her heartbeat for the first time at 15 weeks. And because I was using a fetoscope and there was no ultrasound exposure or anything, I listened to her pretty often, especially before I felt her start moving. I listened almost every day, kind of chasing her around. And that was so much fun for me and so enjoyable. At the end, I didn't listen to her heartbeat as much because I felt her moving all the time. But I definitely felt really connected to her through that. It was a fun experience. Like I said, it took some persistence and learning how to use the fetoscope, but I was able to find her. And another thing that I did was I, I palpated my belly. Palpation is when your doctor or midwife feels where the baby is in your belly. And you can do it on yourself. My midwife tells me that it's easier to do it on somebody else, but that, you know, you can feel how your uterus is changing even before you can feel any baby parts. And so I, you know, I felt where my uterus was in in my pelvis and then rising out of the pelvis and up into my abdomen. And then as Sadie got bigger, I was able to feel her. And I always, I was really connected with the position that she was in throughout my pregnancy and where she was. And those things were just really special for me to, to have a different even stronger level of connection than I did with my other babies in that regard with just really feeling like I knew what was going on with my baby and that was super empowering. So if you're pregnant right now or you're thinking about getting pregnant or hoping you're going to get pregnant, then maybe that's something that that you'll consider and certainly that would be something that I would consider if we were to have another baby which it's much too soon to tell um, on that regard. But anyways, so pregnancy was good with her, and that was that was kind of the memorable thing about being pregnant with Sadie, was just feeling connected and feeling really in charge of my own prenatal care, even though I did go see my midwife. And I can do another podcast episode about that down the line, because I've, I've actually gotten bunches of requests for podcast episode topics and several interview requests, so it'll probably be several weeks, but I could do a podcast on exactly what I did for prenatal care with Sadie, and that would probably be a great one, because it was more, much more mama-directed. But anyways, I did have my midwives, and my midwife was wonderful emotional support throughout the entire pregnancy. And so we planned another home birth, and now I let me tell you about Sadie's birth. So I wasn't sure how labor would start, and I, I always reassure my mama baby birthing students that it's okay to worry about... I don't know if labor's going to start. How will I know this is it? That sort of thing. Am I going to be pregnant forever? Because Sadie was my seventh baby, and I have that feeling with every single baby. And each one teaches me something, and each labor teaches me something different. And Sadie's labor was was really an, a learning experience for me. So... I figured that she would probably come close to her due date. Like I said, 
a few minutes ago. I had some anxiety during the pregnancy and a lot of that was related to prematurity. Uh, and I don't know exactly why that's an anxiety for me or has been an anxiety for me in the past couple of pregnancies especially. It may be because I had a friend who had a, who lost a baby um, around her second, you know, late in her second trimester. And that was just before I got pregnant with Corwin. So that could be, you know, that just feeling her loss and and how close to home that was. But I've had that worry. So I had a little bit of worries like that with Sadie, but she went right to term. Uh, I did do some work for that. That's one of the reasons why I wrote the series on preventing prematurity, that I, I wrote that while I was pregnant with Sadie and was working with those feelings. But, but otherwise, I was expecting her to come right around her due date, and she did. And I've always based my due date on conception date because we've pretty much been sure of conception date, especially with the last ones, because we've been charting for every one of them. So her due date I knew was really accurate. And so, let's see, January 31st, that was a Saturday, and Saturday night went to bed early and couldn't get to sleep, really. So... I kind of dozed. I don't really think I actually slept. I pretty much just kind of dozed, drifting maybe just close to sleep, but then a sharper contraction would wake me up. And it was definitely more than what I had been feeling. You know, it was a definite sharp feeling would be how I would describe it. It wasn't like excruciatingly painful or anything, but it was definite and definitely different than anything that I had been feeling that far or up to that point. Now with Honor and Corwin, that was babies five and six, I had a lot of prodromal labor uh, where things would get really regular in the evenings for a couple weeks before their births and I didn't experience that with Sadie this time. I had been having some crampy Braxton Hicks contractions and my midwife encouraged me to drink more even though I thought I was already drinking enough but when I started drinking more those went away and so I think my midwife was right and I just I wasn't getting enough fluid um, and maybe not snacking enough because she also encouraged me to make sure I didn't skip snacks, which was something I had a problem with during Sadie's pregnancy, even though I am definitely big on pregnancy nutrition. I had a problem with that. But I don't know if it was because I was being really vigilant with the snacking and the drinking that maybe that helped prevent the prodromal labor that I experienced before, but I didn't have any of that. So it was just kind of waiting. So this Saturday night was the first time that I had really had anything that felt maybe laborish. So the those, you know, sharp sensations, I guess. I mean, they were contractions, but they were really sharp. A sharp sensation would kind of rouse me from my dozing state every now and then, and I wasn't looking at a clock or anything to know how often it was, but I do know that when one would happen, I would kind of get up and go, I would go to the bathroom and uh, my bowels were really loose. And so every time I went, you know, there was more than just pee because my bowels were really loose. And I thought maybe this will be like Corwin's birth, which I had woken up around 3, 3.30ish, and then things had taken off from there. And for some reason, I don't know, I was really stubborn maybe thinking that I don't want to have this baby without having some sleep first. And so I would get up, go to the bathroom for a few minutes, then get back in bed and try and go to sleep. And I just did that over and over again every time I felt one of the sharp sensations. And... Around one, I finally actually got to sleep. 
And then I woke up around 2, this was in the morning, and went to the bathroom again. And then after 2, I fell asleep and slept till about 7.30 in the morning. So my body, I guess, decided I wasn't going to cooperate with it very much. So I got up probably about 7.30. We got up Sunday morning, and I went to the bathroom, and I had a show, which was tinged with pink, and that's typically, you call it a bloody show, if you see pink or red in it, and I was pretty excited. Scott and I had been walking every morning at this point, every morning and every evening, because we we walked our dog together, and I had actually, I snowshoed every morning and every evening until about 38 weeks of pregnancy, and then I started just walking her. We have a long driveway, and I I started just walking our dog up and down the driveway rather than snowshoeing around our back trail because I decided 38 weeks pregnant I could do with just the driveway. So we went for our walk and we walked up and down our driveway uh, with Altana, that's our dog, and I told Scott that I'd had the show and that things had felt pretty regular and I was excited. I I kind of was second-guessing myself, and so when he asked it, I want to set the tub up. I kind of hemmed and hawed about it for a few minutes, and then I told him that I wanted him to set up the birth tub. So we got back in, and he rearranged the den because we had decided we'd move the couch a little bit from where it was to set up the tub. So he set the tub up uh, that morning, but for me, everything kind of stopped when the kids got up. So the kids got up and the house got really noisy and everything pretty much stopped as far as contraction wise. No more show, no nothing going on. Now there may have still been things going on because as I've told you and my students so many times, a lot happens that we don't see. So there may have been stuff going on. There, uh, my, I mean, my body could have been opening. I was having a contraction here and there, but it was certainly nothing regular, and it certainly wasn't even with the sharpness or the intensity that I had felt in the night. It was just nothing. And I was kind of okay with it. We ha- We hired a birth photographer for this birth, and I texted her probably around 9 to let her know what had happened because at that point I still thought that maybe things would pick up during the day. But then the day went by and pretty much nothing happened. And by late afternoon I was starting to feel real anxious um, and unsettled about it. And I think Scott... I think Scott used the word that I was just feeling agitated or maybe distraught is the word. He could tell, you know, that I wasn't really, I wasn't really doing well because everything had stopped and I wasn't sure what that meant. And so we, we went about the day pretty normally. What the pink kit recommends, and I like this recommendation, is when you're in that place where you're not sure what's going on or even when you know it really is your birthing time, but you're not so into it that things are running on autopilot. You ask yourself, what do I want to do now? And that's what I did. I just kept asking myself that and kept working as much as I could, but I was really distractible. I couldn't focus on much of anything. Usually I fill my afternoons with writing if I can for the website or something for the website or for the podcast planning or or something for my students. And I just I just couldn't focus on anything. And so by the time supper time got there, we had a supper and we finally put the kids to bed. And I told Scott, I'm going to call Kathy. That's my midwife. I'm going to call Kathy after we put the kids to bed. But after we put them to bed, I didn't call Kathy. I should have, uh, but I didn't. 
And I, w- I wanted to time the contractions. And they were kind of irregular. They started up again once we got the kids in bed. The house was quiet. Scott had filled the birth tub across the afternoon because it takes a while to fill a big birth tub. So he had filled that across the afternoon. So it was sitting ready. He got the fireplace ready, so he had the logs in there, and he had the kindling and everything ready to go as soon as I gave the word, so to speak. Um, but it was all just kind of a standstill. But once once the kids went to bed, you know, the house was quiet, it was very peaceful, and we were we were just waiting, and things started picking up. But they were erratic. So I would have a contraction... And then another one six minutes later. And then another one 12 minutes later. And then another one eight minutes later. And then maybe one 15 minutes later. Well, they were erratic, but time was definitely passing. And again, I should have called Kathy because they were sharp. Again, I use that word sharp. I was sitting on the couch kind of timing them, watching Scott. I think he was playing a game. And I was kind of halfway watching him. And when one would start, I needed to stand up. And if I couldn't stand up, like if it got going too much, I physically could not get myself up off the couch because it was just intense. Uh, and it, and it, it was painful. If I could stand up and sway my hips and rock leaning forward on Scott's desk, then I was okay. And definitely, I should have realized that things were getting intense. But this is why this is why I, I always reassure uh, moms who are talking to me or moms-to-be who are talking to me that it's okay if you have self-doubt or if you're not sure. Because here I was with my seventh baby, and I was totally second-guessing myself and totally second-guessing what was going on. I finally told Scott I wanted to go to bed, and he didn't believe that I was suggesting that because he was like, you know, you're, you're not going to be able to sleep. But I went and tried to lay down, and yeah, that he was totally right. That was not going to happen. And it was at that point that I said finally that I wanted to call the midwife. And... I think Scott's phone from, he actually phoned her, I think it said it was like 9.40 when we finally called her, and I could, I should have called her two hours earlier when we sent the kids to bed, but he called and told her that things were pretty intense, and she asked, did, should she come out, or should they come out, so she would call the other midwife, and they would come out, and Scott put her on the phone with me, at that point I was actually in the bathroom, Um, And I told her that they were about five to six minutes apart. And she asked, should we come out? And I told her Scott would say yes. And so she said, okay, well, we're going to come out. And right after that, I managed to get to the kitchen at this point. So I must have walked out front. I think I walked out front to double check the birth photographer's number, which was posted on the fridge. And so we walked out front and I called Colleen. That's our birth photographer. Um, and let her know that the midwives were on the way. So she said she was going to be on the way. So at this point, I was thinking that I would try, uh, just try and walk a little bit to get things more regular. And so I had picked a tank top and a jersey knit skirt that I wanted to wear that were both really comfortable. And so I put those on. Again, Scott was kind of, he wasn't sure, you know, why I was bothering to put clothing on because he's he's way more perceptive than me, I guess, about babies now. He's seen enough of them. So it's funny, but I, so I walked a little bit, but he asked me, did, do you want to get in the tub? And he said, 
with honor, you waited and waited and waited, and you didn't have very long in the tub before she was born. And the same was actually true with Galen. Um, and But he said with Corwin, you got in the tub pretty much as soon as you knew things were going on, and, and you were able to labor in the tub for a while, for about an hour, and I think that was nicer for you. And so thankfully, instead of being stubborn, I conceded at that point and said, yes, I wanted to get in the tub. And so at this point, it must have been shortly after 10 in the at night, uh, and I got in the tub, and Scott lit the fire while I was getting settled in the tub. He got the fire going, and we had some candles on the mantle and things that he lit. And we had all the lights in the in the living room off except the firelight and the candlelight. But our our floor plan is pretty open, and so our kitchen opens onto the living room, and there's a little light over the kitchen sink, and that light was on. So the the den or the family room was pretty dark, pretty dim, but there was enough light that we could see because that little kitchen light was on. And I mentioned that because I guess the ambiance was really nice. It was just really nice. It was quiet. Either the kids were all pretending to be asleep at this point or they had all fallen asleep at this point because we weren't hearing any rustles or tussles and no lights were on, no book pages were turning. It was just Scott and I. And we were kind of between each contraction we were kind of joking and laughing and they were they were coming pretty pretty fast at this point but I was still able to smile and laugh a little bit between each one especially the first several that I had in the tub and I would I would be up on my knees during the contraction and then once it was done I would kind of settle down more Indian style sitting in the tub and Scott was wearing a shirt Usually he takes his shirt off um, with the other babies. I think he's taking his shirt off when I was at this point in labor. But I told him I'm going to get your shirt wet because I reached out and held on to him uh, during each contraction. And he laughed and said that he didn't care. So I decided he must not care and just went ahead and got his shirt wet. But Scott has longer hair. It's probably about shoulder length and he keeps it pulled back in a ponytail. He actually asked me at some point, did I want him to have it in a ponytail or uh, or down and I asked him to put it in a ponytail so he had his hair pulled back and I did that because I, I kind of like to hold on to it I'm not I try not to pull too hard because I don't want to hurt him but you know but during a contraction I guess just fidgeting with this ponytail gave me something to do with my energy besides just moaning it out uh, so I would reach up and kind of fidget with that and they were pretty strong pretty intense I think once I got in the tub, I felt a lot more comfortable, maybe not because I was in the tub, but just because it finally felt like it was familiar. And because before, everything feeling really erratic and I wasn't feeling sure if things were really happening because there had been that huge pause all day long. And now it finally felt familiar and it felt like things were moving along. And that was a reassuring feeling to me. And so I was able to relax in many ways, not just because of the warm water, though I definitely am a big proponent of water birth. So I was holding on to Scott, and at the end of the contractions, like when I could feel that the peak was done and it was washing away, uh, I kissed Scott on the cheek like multiple times, just little kisses, and that's something that I've done. I don't know that I did it with Galen, but I definitely did it with Honor and Corwin. And again with Sadie. And I really think that 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 helped kind of 
let the energy out completely and share some of that intense energy. And I first read about that in one of Ina Mae Gaskin's books. And I can't remember which one. Um, but that's always been something that's been really, I've really liked that. Just sharing that energy and, and being loving. You know, that being loving is the same way that the baby got in and it's a good way to get the baby out. And I've always, I, I guess I've liked that. And it's been an effective thing for me during my birthing time. The other thing that's really been effective is just welcoming it and wanting it to get heavy and wanting to open for my baby. But Scott said, because he was, because the way that we were, I was facing the kitchen and Scott was facing the the back wall of our den and there's a clock on that wall. So he was able to see the clock and he said later on, I, I didn't know this before, but he said that, that they were lasting for about two minutes and happening every three minutes. So things were really moving at this point. Uh, and I had the feeling that Kathy and Colleen and Katie, our other midwife is Katie, weren't going to be able to make it. So, and I decided I don't care. I'm just going to have my baby. Even if we don't get the pictures, I really wanted pictures. Uh, But things were moving pretty fast. So I felt my water break. And with Galen and Honor and Corwin, it felt much more like a huge pop. Uh, Like, I mean, just it exploded. With Sadie, it was it felt a lot subtler, but I definitely knew that it was water breaking, and I definitely felt her head start moving down at that point. And I told Scott, the baby's coming. I think it took me a split second to be able to find the words to say that. Like, I distinctly remember thinking it and thinking, I can't say it, and then getting it out, that the baby's coming. Uh, and then I reached down... And felt her head, and her head, her head was worked to get out. And I'm. This is the first time that I really remember really vocalizing. I needed to kind of moan quite a bit to get her head out. And I had my hands down there, and it felt to me like her head was taking a long time to come out. Like just, it was, it was really intense. And I felt little prickles of the ring of fire. I felt more than I had felt with Corwin, but it wasn't. It wasn't excruciating, but I wanted her head out. And so I had my hand down, um, and I kind of remember, you know, pushing the tissues around her head a little bit. I don't think it was very effective, but it was just a, a physical manifestation of the fact that I wanted that little head out. And so her head came out, and there wasn't really much of a pause. I'm not sure, again, like with Corwin, I'm not sure if it just melded into one big contraction or if there was another actual contraction. I did tell Scott that her head was out. So I said the head is out. And then it was really only seconds after that that her shoulders were born. Uh, And this is the moment that I wish the birth photographer had captured because that, that picture is there in my mind. And I'm sure that it will be there forever. And I just wish that I could print it out. But because that light was on in the kitchen, I we could see pretty well. And so I could see down in the water and saw her. And I told Scott, here's our baby. And, and I was lifting her up. And it's just, you know, in my mind, there's that beautiful picture of my hands bring her body up through the water um, and Scott's Scott had me in one arm he may have had one hand down in the tub too because I said here's our baby but just bringing her up and bringing her 
out of the water, and we didn't know if she was a girl or a boy, and I think it was at that point that I peeked right away. Uh, her, I saw her cord and was kind of moving her cord, and I peeked and saw that she was a girl, and Scott had said that she was a girl the entire time, so I told him you were right. And then I kind of just settled back right there in the middle of the tub with her and gave her a minute because she was, she was pinking up, but I was just encouraging her and making sure that she was breathing well and everything. Um, and I reached down and, you know, gave her a little kiss and gave her a little breath. And she started, you know, she pretty much started breathing right away. And so once I knew that she was breathing well, I settled back against the side of the tub with her in my arms. And all of this was happening before our midwives got there. So Scott looked at the clock, and she was born at about uh, 10.17. So I had gotten into the tub probably right around 10, either right before or right after 10. And she was born at 10.17. So she she didn't take very long once I got in the tub. And it could be because I relaxed or it could be because she was really just that, that close. But uh, our midwife got there probably about 20 minutes later. And Scott, I think Scott must have gotten up and he turned that light off that was in the kitchen. He turned that off probably so that Sadie's eyes wouldn't be looking into the light because she was facing the kitchen from where she was in my arms. So it was dark when Kathy, who was the first one to get there, Kathy got there um, and she came in and I think she knew, you know, she knew right away that, that there was a baby when she came in the room. She said, because Scott was kind of between me and the doorway, but she said as soon as she saw the tub, she could tell that the baby was here, saw the edge of the tub. And so she came in, and she was just watching, and really everybody everybody got there quietly. Katie and Colleen got there at about the same time, and Colleen just came in and started taking pictures. But really everybody was just kind of in awe and watching her. My oldest kids, my oldest three, Cassidy, Asher, and Brennan, they got up when uh, Kathy and actually I think it was when Katie and Colleen came in. Brennan was the first one to get up. And so they got up and came out. And I remember Scott telling them that they have a sister. And so that that was just, it was really nice the time after she was born. Yeah, I'm talking about you. Um, the time after she was born, we were just all kind of watching her and in awe of her. And it was really, really special. It was a nice time for me. And I, and I haven't actually seen all the pictures from her birth yet because Colleen's still processing them. But the, I've seen a few of them. And those are just, those moments are just so precious, even though she didn't capture the actual birth. The moments after the birth when I was still in the tub were so precious. So Kathy and Katie had been there for a little bit, and they they asked me about the placenta. And I could feel the placenta, like I could feel the membranes from the placenta floating. So I knew that the placenta was trying to come. And I actually, actually this is something I didn't mention. When Sadie's head was coming down, I did reach in and feel her head. And Scott actually asked me, could I feel anything? And I said that I could feel a little curve. And I wasn't sure if that meant she was about to come. It must have been right before her head started coming down. I told him I could feel the little curve in there. 
And I wasn't sure if if that was the curve that meant the baby was coming or if there was still something over it because, you know, I don't really know exactly what I'm feeling. I haven't felt lots except my own baby's heads. But it was something I really wanted to feel, and I felt with Galen and Honor. I didn't have time to feel with Corwin, um, so I, I really wanted to, and I felt that with Sadie. So back to when the placenta was born, I reached inside and I could feel the placenta just sitting there, but I guess lounging in the birth tub, it just was not going to come all the way out. So Kathy asked me, did I want to consider getting up on the birthing stool? And I immediately said that I did because by that point we had been in the water for probably 30, 40 minutes, maybe even closer to an hour. I could feel the placenta there, but I was, you know, I was pushing and it just, it wasn't going to come out when I was all relaxed and laid back in the tub with Sadie. So we climbed out and I actually managed to hold Sadie while we got out and her, because her cord was pretty short from what Kathy and Katie said. But we got out, they got the birthing stool set up and then we got out and pretty much as soon as I sat on the birth stool, the placenta basically fell out. And so that was nice because we were done. Um, and they helped me and Sadie get to the bedroom. Scott held Sadie while I walked to the bedroom. They had gotten the bed all ready and everything. And Sadie and I got in bed. And unlike with the others, I wasn't shaking too much. That's one thing for me that I tend to shake a lot right when the birthing gets close. And then right after I've had the baby, I shake a lot. That's a hormonal effect that I know a lot of women experience. Uh, so we got, you know, kind of managed to avoid having the shakes too bad. And so we got settled in bed. And Sadie had nursed in the birth tub actually quite a bit. And then she nursed again once we got in bed. So she latched on right away, and she's been super hungry, and she's really a chunk. But we had been settled for a little while. Once she was done nursing, they went ahead and did the newborn exam, and everything looked good, and they weighed her, and she weighed in at 9 pounds on the dot. So she's actually my biggest baby yet. So she was 9 pounds, and she's still really a little chunk. She's just a chunk of a baby. She's stretching and kind of looking at me right now like, hey, you're talking about me. But um, while we were in the bedroom, Cassidy brought Honor in. And Corwin woke up just because of all the commotion. He still sleeps in a toddler bed in our bedroom. Uh, so he and Honor got to see Sadie. But Galen actually slept through it all and nobody brought him in. So he met her the next morning. And I don't really think that Honor or Corwin were awake enough to understand what was going on. But they, the midwife stayed for a while. It was probably 2 or 3 in the morning when they left, just making sure that I was stable and that everything was good with Sadie. And then they left. We called um, my mom and dad and Scott's mom in the middle of the night to let them know that they had a new grandbaby. And I sent a quick picture to Facebook announcing her arrival. And then we went to sleep. And we slept for a little while with her. And it was just... It was a really sweet, wonderful birthing experience. It was especially nice, even though I really wanted the birth photographer and the midwives to be there so that I could get those pictures. And my midwife said she was disappointed because she really wanted to be able to watch me birth again. Um, but but it was it was really nice. It was a very intimate, just Scott and I with all the other kids asleep and just... I don't know, laughing between the contractions, even though they were intense in the moment, and just being able to have that time together, I wouldn't change it for the world. So it was just a beautiful way to welcome a baby, 
and a nice experience for me, a nice learning experience for me. So I have another layer of learning to share with you should you happen to take classes with me um, or even if you're just listening to this podcast. So I think it, you know, it makes me better, a little bit better to help other mamas and babies, which is what I want to do. And we have our sweet Sadie here. Her her, Her first and middle names are Sadie Grace. So she's here. And she's five weeks old now, so I'm a little bit delayed in recording this. And I'm also, I've got her birth story written out, but I don't want to post it up on the website until I get the pictures from our photographer. So her birth story is hopefully going to be coming later this week or next week, my photographer promises. She's she's about got the pictures ready. She had a hard drive failure. Thankfully, didn't lose any photographs, but it's taken her a little while to get back up and running. So we will, I will post that story for you to see. Um, but otherwise, I'm going to go ahead and end now because we're a little bit over 30 minutes and Sadie's getting antsy. And like I said, this is the first podcast that I've done in a few weeks, so I'm still uh, building up my stamina. But otherwise, I think that we're good. So again, if you want to get the latest news about the podcasts and articles and all kinds, I've got... I've got lots of plans for this year. Even with Sadie, having a baby always energizes me to to work on the website. So I've got lots of plans, especially for baby-related stuff. So if you want to hear about that, head over to TrustBirth101.com and check that out. You heard me mention my students a few times. If you're interested in an online birthing class, you can go to MamaBabyBirthing.com. That's M-A-M-A, BabyBirthing.com. Or uh, check out TrustBirth101 and you'll get more information there. But I will post the link to Sadie's birth story with the show notes as soon as I get it. And I'll probably, excuse me, also email uh, the, the mailing list about it. So you can sign up for the newsletter and you'll get that. Otherwise, I hope that you have a blessed week. And I've got tons of great podcast requests, like I said, and some interviews lined up. So look forward to more to come. Thanks for listening to the Birth, Baby and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess. For great resources and tons more info, visit www.birthbabylife.com. Visit www.birthbabylife.com.